Live the Bible, a Biblicist podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for today's episode of Live the Bible. Uh, we have returning guest Dustin Breland with us today. Uh, if you haven't watched or listened to last week's episode of Misconceptions of the Old Testament with Pastor Howard Johnson, please, please go back and watch that first if you haven't seen that yet. Incredible, incredible time with him. Um, and I think it would be a huge blessing to you, um, not just in regards to the misconceptions of the Old Testament, and we dive into that as deep as we can go, but um, also just the insight and application that was shared um, as well, even starting out talking about his personal testimony as well. So I think you'll just be really encouraged by that. There should be a link above my head right now. Seriously, go watch that first and then come back and finish this one. Um, thanks, Dustin, for, for being back again. Yeah, man. Excited to be back and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yes. Um, this is something that I've been reserving to talk about. I, it, it, God's been working on my uh, life recently of a renewal of this, a refreshing of this. And I've been really tempted to do a Monday show on this. But it's just, it, it's too deep and too much to talk about just by doing like a 15-minute episode. So I was like, okay, I need to have need to have Dustin on and talk through this, um, and to really help and be a benefit uh, to the listeners as most as possible on this. So um, you've probably already seen the title of this episode right there, but it's we're gonna talk about authentic worship, and in order for that to make sense, we have to define define our terms. So I'm gonna ask you, Dustin, how would you define authentic or authenticity? Yeah, the the first word that really jumps out at me when I think of the word authentic is real uh, or genuine. Uh, I'm reminded of a show I was hooked on for a while uh, called Pawn Stars. I don't know if you've seen that show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a group of guys who have a pawn shop down in Vegas, and people will bring all sorts of stuff, you know, claiming that anything from uh, Babe Ruth hit this baseball and it's been passed down through generations or, um, president Lincoln signed this letter and here's his signature. And this has been in my family forever. Like they get all those kind of things. Right. And what they'll do is they'll bring someone in who's an expert in that particular field to authenticate the story the signature, whatever it is they brought in to make sure that it's actually real uh, and not just some fake that's been um, just kind of copied from somebody else. So when I think of the word authentic, uh, I think of real uh, genuineness um, and it kind of in our conversation, taking a, a step further uh, authentic is kind of a buzzword right now in Christian community. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I, I hear it quite often. People right. talking about uh, we want authentic this or we want to be authentic. And I think um, an error is when people talk of authenticity and what they're really talking about is transparency. Mm. So I think there is a difference between being transparent and being authentic because you can be transparent and open, but not really be real in the moment. Mm-hmm. You can like acknowledge your struggle. 
but you're not really real with the person in that moment. You're giving them information that you've planned on giving them ahead of time. Right. It's limited. But to be authentic, I heard this from someone and it was so good that a good test to know that you're being authentic is that when you're speaking or you're telling someone something that you're nervous on the inside, that it hurts you to say what you're saying, that you begin to sweat. (laughs) That's when you know you're authentic because you're being real in the moment. You're not withholding information from someone in that moment. You're being real and authentic. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's really good of a a definition of explanation of authenticity. And you're right. It's kind of a, a buzzword right now. And I think it's, um, it's just thrown out there kind of flippantly. And so that's why it's important to define what exactly that is. Um, you know, and for me, and we won't spend too much time on this, but like, but it's important, um, for the rest of the conversation, obviously. So I, for me, even recently is, um, I, I really needed to share my heart with some people concerning some things, um, and I want it to be authentic. I want it to be raw. I want it to be real, not right. just not just transparent. Um, and the difference being is it was terrifying. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, and and kind of like how you're describing that. Like it was terrifying. Like my heart rate went up, and it was like, oh man, I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud. Um, and. But the joy and relief of authenticity, even to friends, was yeah. absolutely amazing to have that full authenticity, to be fully authentic. But it is very intimidating. It's very yeah. – because you're just kind of putting yourself out there. And yeah. um, and But, yeah, there's a big difference between, like, preparing, like, oh, yeah, this is true as factual information <laughs> versus yeah. being, like, that, that real I, – I, I've been using the word also, and I've been using authenticity a lot because that's something that I'm I, I keep hitting over and over again with me personally because I want to be authentic in my worship, which is we're about to get into. But it's like I um um I keep using the word raw as well because like I'm just trying to really like I mean really right down to it, like not no no um nothing bedazzled about it. <laughs> Right. Um, just the very core of things. Um, well, then let's let's ask the second question once again to define like if to be authentic is to be real, to be raw, to like, like what does it mean? How, how do you define worship? Uh, the three songs before the message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, no, that's really funny because I think that is. That's probably a very common thing for people to think of what is worship. And um, and it's funny because, like, it's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, and it's been this way for a while. Is And once again, I don't – I'm not going to be, like, really weird about this because I wouldn't hold this against anybody. But, like, personally, I don't like the terminology worship leader or, like, yeah. worship pastor because it feels like it's constructing it to be that Sunday morning moment. Yeah. Um. And, um, and I've made the joke to people It's like, I, cause I, I mean, I lead singing at, at, at the church that I'm a part of now. And it's like, I, I'm not your worship leader because I'm not following you around on Monday 
leading you in worship. Yes. Um, and so that's I'm impl- I'm implying that worship is something uh, much greater than Sunday morning's song service. But I'll I'll let you go ahead and, <laughs> and give definition there. Well, that was my answer. I don't know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. Uh, music can be part of it for sure, but it's not it. Um, for me, how I would describe worship in my own words is a valuing or treasuring of something or someone. Hmm. There's a, um, I'll give an example in a second, but when you value or you treasure something, it's going to lead to you giving of yourself to whatever that is. You prioritize and organize your life around it. You have deemed that thing the most important thing. Uh, a good way to summarize this is probably uh, worship is the outflow of something that has captured your heart. Mm. And I'll give it an example. For some people, they worship money. Right. That has captured their heart. And so what they do is they do everything they can to get it. They will organize their life in a way that they can pick up extra shifts at work because they're going to make more money. They will hoard it. They will make making money a priority even over time with family or doing other things. Money is the most important thing to them, and they give their whole selves to it. Um, I probably get in trouble for this one. Some people worship sports. Yep. You know, they're going to yell and cheer from the sidelines or the stands. They'll talk about their team wherever they go. They'll clear the schedules to make sure they can make every single home game. Uh, if they can't make it to an away game, they'll sit and watch on the couch to make sure nothing interrupts them. They'll name you every single player on the team because sports – has captured their heart, yeah, and you see the outflow in their actions. So once something has captured your heart, once you've seen its value, its worth, once you've decided that's the most important thing, what follows is worship. Yeah. You give of yourself, your time, your abilities, your careers, your mm-hmm. family, you give everything to it. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but as you were giving the sports analogy, what I'm afraid of, Dustin, is that in regards to sports, I'm afraid I've seen people have more authentic worship at a sports stadium than in Sunday morning service. I agree. (laughs) Um, Because not even a Sunday morning service life. Just life, yes. No, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh man, like this person authentically loves this sports team and wants this yeah. and, and is and is very much, you know, in awe of its accomplishments um, or the certain player's accomplishments. Um, but then when we talk about God or Christianity, it's like, oh yeah, it's good. Right. Um, you know, once again, I don't want to get ahead of us here. Let, let me also throw this out there because... I really love your definition of that. How I've described worship is is something that we fully submit to. 
Yes. Um, and so, and what we're in awe of, we submit to. And so we, even in, yes. in the Bible, you have these moments of, of when people get a glimpse of God's glory, yes. like they fall down to their face because they yeah. cannot help but worship. Right. Like it throws you to your knees. You cannot right. help but be, be in awe and submit to. Um, and, and so whatever we're enthralled by, we submit to, and that's worship. Right. And, and so I think we get kind of confused about what worship is. Um, yeah. and so I think I, here's a great example of what you're saying. Cause I mean, it's two sides of the same coin. Yep. It's it, that, that submission is part of giving of yourself. Yes. Um, and I think a great example, um, is when you find the first mention of worship in the Bible, and it's in Genesis with Abraham. Hmm. Abraham longed for a child. Hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. <laughs> Years go by, right? And then it finally happens in the most miraculous way ever. Yeah. And then his son grows up, and then God comes to him one day and says, I want you to go sacrifice your son on this mountain. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, Abraham gets up, takes his servants, takes his son, and they go. And once they get to the edge of the mountain, he turns to his servants and tells them to stay, that him and the son would go to the mountain to worship. Mm. And then they would return. See, in that moment, Abraham had wanted something for so long, and that was a son. Yeah. But you know what? He valued God more than his own son. God was the most important thing. And so he wanted a son. He loved his son. But because he worshiped God, he submitted what he wanted. Yeah, which was his son, and he worshipped God. Awesome. Well, I think it's really important, like we just did, define what authentic worship is, and and those words kind of cross into each other. Um, and in regards to our reaction to who God is, and yeah. um, and as I'm experiencing God in an authentic way, then that worship will be real that submission will be authentic and real in, in him. So that those both, both those words kind of work together in, in defining what authentic worship is. And um, I think it's something we all should be striving for. So let me ask you this. Um, and this is, this is where things get kind of interesting. Um, is God glorified? And I think everyone, almost everyone who's listening in here wants to glorify God with their lives. Like, right. um, is God glorified in our motions or actions of worship if they're not authentic? And why or why not? You just jumped right into the hard ones, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would. <laughs> so I think before we jump into this, I think we ought to be super careful here to not say that God can't get glory from something. That's really good. Thank you. 
I think it's definitely possible for God to get glory from our actions or motions of worship if they're not authentic. I think that's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't ever want to go on record saying that God can't get glory from something because right. uh, I'm not God. <laughs> right. No, that's really important. Thank you. However, I do believe that God receives more glory from authentic worship. Hmm. And there's a verse that just really sticks out to me. Um, I discovered it several, several years ago. You know, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees um, and he says, this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me. Mm -hmm. In vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. And he was going after in that moment their their teachings. Uh, They were adding to the law, and that's a whole separate conversation. But he talks about how in vain they worship me, and it was vain because their heart was far from him. They may say the right things, they may do the right things, but their heart is nowhere near. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, I can't get away from thinking about that verse and how how much glory is God going to miss out on when we are giving half-hearted effort Mm. when what we're doing doesn't line up. God, God didn't, I I think of my kids. I don't know if this is the the best example, but it's it's the one I'm thinking of and it's not really glory, but I want my kids to listen and obey me because they love me, not because of some other reason. Right. You know what I mean? Like instead of (laughs) instead of them obeying out of fear of being punished or what might happen, I want them to see that I have the best for them in mind, that they can trust me, that they can respond out of love and out of a relationship. And I think when we compare that to God and how we are his children, when we respond authentically, when we respond to him in worship because of what he's done in our hearts, when he has captured our hearts and we respond, how much glory does he receive from that? You know, and I just think we, I think we miss out when we do it from a fear of what he may do if we don't, or if we, um, if we do the right things because other people are watching, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but no, you're no, you're good. Honestly, I think that I think that the next question ties in with this one, which I think yeah. might help bring in more clarity of of what we're even talking about. Um, of this idea of our emotions, our actions. I let me make this statement, and we'll, and if it's okay, we can dive into this next question, which is this: yeah. I'm I'm afraid for most of my life. I mean, I once again, I think most of my audience knows this, but 
I've, I've been in church my whole life. I grew up in a Christian home and, um, I, it's always been a part of my life and I'm afraid for the majority of my life, not a good chunk of it. The majority of my life has been focused on how I worship God versus why I worship him. Hmm. Yeah. And some of you might be listening and don't understand what I'm saying. And that's why we're going to bring it up. Um, And so the, the question is this, does my why of worshiping God, and obviously this is why it ties into this of, of is God glorified in, in you know, in, in my actions or do, do I need to have authenticity? The question is this, does my why of worshiping God matter as much as what he commands me to do and vice versa? I, yeah, it, I would argue, and this may be considered heresy by some, <laughs> but <laughs> I would argue that the why is more important than the what. Wow. And don't get me wrong. The what is definitely important. Yeah. But I even read just yesterday, man, this is crazy that we're talking about this. I started reading in Isaiah. Uh, don't ask me why. I started reading in Isaiah yesterday the very first chapter. God speaks to the children of Israel mm-hmm. and calls out how they have been wicked and they have been far from him and even goes as far to say that he is tired of their sacrifices and their offerings, yeah. that he does not delight in the blood of bulls and goes on and on and on. That was their way of worshiping, man. Like God commanded them to do all of these things, uh, to offer a sin offering and this offering and this offering. And God just came out and he said, I'm tired of these. Yeah. And I think it's in Hosea where he says something similar again. Yeah. And he says, I desire for you to love me. Yeah. It's not about what you're doing. <laughs> it's the why. Yes. Your, your heart is so far from me. Yes. And yet here you are going through the motions. That's not what I want. Yeah. I want you to love me. I don't want you to do this because you have to. Yeah. The why is so much more important, I think. I would say I, I think I agree with you. I and and once again to our listeners, this isn't this isn't because it's a hip cool thing. This isn't like, oh, let's talk about this or or authenticity being some like hip conversation or something. Is that this is a theme in scripture where where God is clearly obviously not using these words, but God is clearly calling for authenticity with Israel. Um, where you have these cases of like you're doing all the things that I've you know, these acts of worship that I've called you to do, but it's not from a place of authenticity. It's all a facade. It's, it's just, it's just there. It exists. And, and once again, back to me personally, I'm afraid for once again, a majority of my life that I have focused on making sure I got the what right and never even stopped to think about why, why worship God? Right. Why seek his face? Why sing his praises? 
Why read his word? Why go to him in prayer? Just go down the list of, of the things that you do that as, as you're trying to, to follow after God and worship him. Why? Yeah. And I, and so I, I'm afraid that like the majority of my life, and I, it's weird because I think when I was a kid, even before I was a genuine believer as a kid, I think I understood the why initially better. Because when I was a child, I just had this kind of natural awe of God. Yeah. And and I loved to sing songs to God and I love like God's just awesome. He's the he created me. He's the creator of the universe and he's good and he's and he's holy and 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 like it's funny because like, even Old Testament stories that scare some people. As a kid, I would read these Old Testament stories and be like, Well, he's God, he can do whatever he wants. Right. Like I was that kind of in awe of God. Like He's just, he's God. He's sovereign. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. And I love him and he's amazing. But then as I grew up <laughs> and, and kind of, if you will, lost my childlike faith, all of a sudden my mind was more of thinking that the what was more important than the why. Um, and and really kind of, and this was a, be a whole other conversation and the idea of thinking that I could bring more glory to God by how I was worshiping him. And, and the way we're kind of framing this, man, I think it's easy to see now, and I'm not going to make it so, I, I'm speaking generally here because I know there's different cases, but yeah. in general, I can look back and I can see now why there has been a great, quote, falling away from people who have left the faith and they grew up the same way we did. Yeah. It's because they were quote, worshiping a God that had never captured their heart. Oh, man. They're going through the motions. They're doing all of these things. They've got the what right, but there's nothing there. There is nothing there driving the why. And so when they get out on their own or they hear a different narrative or someone else gets in their ear and they see something different, they're like, well, I, why do I even want to do this? Yeah. There is no why there. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's why people have left, man. Yeah. They never had it to begin with. They were worshiping, quote, worshiping a God that they really didn't love that they really hadn't given their heart to that they never really prioritized. It was just the thing to do on a Sunday and when other people were watching. Yeah. The why is incredibly, incredibly important. You can, you can get the what right all day long, but God's after the why he's after the heart, man. If if no one gets anything else from this, is the statement that you just said is that the 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 reason there's been a, a falling away, why people have left Christianity, left the church, is because they've been worshiping a god that hasn't captured their heart. Um, I hope you all can grasp that, understand what we're saying here. I I really do like. It's because here's the thing. The, 
no one no one can do that for you. <laughs> it's personal, it's intimate, it's raw between you and God. Of him capturing your heart. Yeah. Of that love relationship with God. And I don't say that in a cliche way. Like God is God loves you and and it's not just a statement. And anyway, I I, I can be <laughs> I just I desperately want my Christian friends and to be in awe of God in a way like they've never been before. So it's so in love with him and enthralled with the love that he has for them that they can't help but worship him. They can't help but submit to him. And, 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 and this is why, that's why to worship God is not a burden. Yeah, exactly. It's light. (laughs) Yeah. It's life. (laughs) It's light. And it's like, it's, um, and so I just, so yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. The why is so much more important than the what, because when, when the what becomes more important, or maybe even when it becomes equal, that's when you will start running into legalism. Yes. You will start running into a world of, um, I'm worshiping God better than you are. Yeah. Like, like, exactly. but that's not worship. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the what leads to self righteousness. Yeah. The why leads to being filled with the spirit. So that being said, is man, this is deep. Um, and and we're just gonna keep probably going deeper here. And and I I hope this really is a help to people. But like I think once again because that the what becomes so important. And, and this is going to go right into our next question is that we begin to think that we're not, we begin to think that we're not supposed to be happy mm-hmm. because we're so devoted to a certain structure or a certain way of doing things instead of to God himself. And yeah. so yeah. there, there can't, I'm sorry, but there can't be genuine happiness in that. There, like yeah. I would argue that it's not possible to be dedicated to structures and methods and, and, um, and, and be happy at the same time. Um, and so that's why I'm going to ask this question because I think a lot of people are struggling with this and, and I know that I have. Um, and the question is this, does God want me to be happy or does he not care as long as I'm devoted? Hmm. I know that's a deep Once question. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Don't know if you'd agree or not, but mm-hmm. was Abraham happy the moment he was about to sacrifice his son? <laughs> I, I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt it too. So, don't worry, we'll come around here. <laughs> but newsflash, God's primary concern is not for your happiness. Mm-hmm. Take up your cross and follow me does not sound like a bed of roses and an easy life. 
Mm-hmm. See, happiness is connected with what is happening around you, circumstances. Right. So God is not concerned with your happiness, but he is concerned with your joy. Hmm. Being happy is about your circumstances, but joy is connected with a person. That is Jesus. Um, there's a quote, a guy named John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm-hmm. His glory and our joy are linked. They're not separate. See, when we find our all in him, he's going to receive the glory and we are going to be filled with joy. Yeah. You can, you've seen it, man. You've seen it before. Someone is in the midst of some great tragedy or sorrow. And no, they're not happy about it. They're not happy that they have cancer or that they're dying or that someone they love has passed. But there is a joy that radiates from them. Despite the negative circumstances they find themselves in, they have found their satisfaction in Jesus. Yeah. That no matter what happens around them, they have everything they need because they have him. Yeah. See, God's not concerned about your happiness because he's after something much deeper, and that's your joy. Mm. You can be filled with horrible circumstances, and we kind of find ourselves in that boat right now with (laughs) COVID around us and all the frustration of people trying to do school at home that are not used to it, and the list goes on and on and on. But despite the negative circumstances, if we have found our all in Jesus, we will have joy Mm -hmm. because he really is all we need. He is all we look to. He, again, is who we worship. Yeah. And and I would I would add this that I think I think sometimes we get we can get caught up in the um, we can get caught up in the difference between like joy and happiness um, a little bit. And it's not as dramatic as it may seem to some people. In regards to it's, it just has to do with the depth of it. While happiness, like you were saying, has to do with the current happenings that are around you. Yeah. Um. And so, as far as describing it from a, um, I don't know, a more, I I don't do good with describing or talking touchy feely type aspects <laughs> of us. I'm like really bad at it. Um. But it's, um. So think of your feelings of happiness, of elatedness. But in regards to joy, is something that you can have regardless of circumstances. And and so I would say it's okay to say this without understanding. For those that have a hard time trying to like understand joy, it's like I might not be happy with the circumstances, but I can still be happy in Christ. My happiness can still be in him because the circumstances of of my relationship with Christ doesn't change. 
Those happenstances, those happenings, what Christ has done for me on the cross, that won't change. And so I can find happiness and fulfillment and contentment in him, even in the harshest and difficult of situations. Yeah. Um, and, and so what I'll say is this, and, and we, cause we still kind of break this down a little bit more cause we got to talk about this devoted aspect, right? Is that I would argue that once again, this Abraham example, which I think is great, is that Abraham didn't take Isaac up to sacrifice him just because he was devoted. (laughs) I think if he just had devotion and God called him to do it, he probably wouldn't have done it. (laughs) Because it was deeper than that. He found God to be his everything. He found God to be life. And so why wouldn't he be devoted to him? He found him to be his joy, his happiness, his everything. And even though he might not have been happy with this idea, he understood that he was content in Christ, content in God. So I think um, that's how I kind of go with that. How how would you like kind of talk about the aspect of of devotion and happiness? Because once again, I think there's a lot of Christians out there that have been devoted their whole lives. To God and the cause of the church, and they're just miserable. <laughs> and I think that goes back to not ex- God not capturing their heart, or or understand, yeah, or, 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 or 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 even I I could put this on another level. It has to do with resting in Him yeah. and finding our identity in what we do for Him instead of finding our identity in Him alone. Yeah, I I agree, man. I. I think, <laughs> once again, probably a controversial statement, but you're good, man. I, that, that's why I have you on here. <laughs> <laughs> just bring me on for the hard topic. Yeah, so I don't have to say it. I can just have people blame you. So. <laughs> I think when people compar- com- complain about burnout. that they are working out of a service, out of a duty, and maybe on some level devotion. But it's not, Jesus has not captured their why. They just know the what. Mm. And I think a lot of times people will live on devotion to Jesus and the cause, but they really don't have the why behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I lived that way for a while growing up and into college years, man. And even for a short time after it was, it was all this what and getting the what right. And even down to the level of like theology and being right in the what, but my why was nowhere to be found. And it did not make me a very happy, a very joyful person. (laughs) It just led to burnout, man, and just tired. Um, So, yeah, I really think it circles back to that, man. It does. And, And all three of those questions are all kind of tied into that. 
and I, and I knew that when I was planning on asking those. Like, I knew they were all tied together, and it's just, it's it's multi-layered, and there's depth to that. And I think it's always, in, in a sense, it's always a part of our journey, too. So it's, um, of we can't, we have to be reminded of our why. And, um, and so, like, for me, like, uh, I'll give a really practical example, and we can move on here. It's like, I don't, I don't want to have time set aside to dive into scripture just because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm yeah. supposed to read God's word because God's word is good and it's my compass. It's, it's my light and this is going to direct my paths. I'm just, I'm just, I need to read scripture. Well, that's all good. Right. I, and I, and that's fine. That's, but that's more of, that's more of the what in right. the, but the the reason why the why is so much more important, and not to to overkill this, but it's all in the same thing of, of devotion to God, is that the difference is this: when it's just the what, when it's just the devotion, if I miss a day of reading scripture or reading the Bible, I'm upset because I I'm upset because I I messed up my structure. I messed up my what or legalistically thinking I'm a bad person because I didn't read my Bible today. Right. So that's, that's that whole, that's that whole, that's what that becomes. But if I don't take the time to get in scripture because of my why, then it's just, I, I can't wait to get back into it. I, I, I want to open God's word every day because I love him. I want to get back into God's word every day because I'm in awe of him. And I, and I want to, yeah. and I want to see what his word has to say. I want to know more about him. I want to, I want God's word to daily remind me of why I should be in awe of him. It, reading his word is a reminder of why I should be captured by him. And and that's why it's important, and that's why, and and I understand what people are saying in, in the what, but but when we focus on the what or make that the emphasis, then it's just legalistic. It becomes the structure of I'm reading my Bible because I'm supposed to today. I'm reading my Bible because that's what I've been taught to do. No, when it's the why, it's I'm here because because I want to be because because I want to be reminded of who God is. I want to be directed in who He is. I want to to learn more about God and. Um, and so, um, and so I don't know if that makes sense. So it's like, and so when I, so when I, when I don't dive into scripture, it's in in a day, it's not the idea of beating myself up. It's the fact that I know I missed out. I know I missed out, but it's not like this beat up type of, oh man, you loser. It's more like, (laughs) it's more, it's more of like a, um, I didn't get a chance. Yeah, like yeah, it's, it's like a good way to put it. Maybe it's like, have you ever been like a little? Uh, it's, I don't know. If I, a good example of this is like, like you're excited. You have a whole day of things planned to do, and it's exciting things and fun things. Think of, think of yourself as a kid, and you're on vacation with your family, and you have these plans, and and something you didn't get to do that day, you're disappointed, but you're gonna be able to do it tomorrow, and so. You're not beating yourself up at the end of the day saying that, you know, I can't believe I couldn't do that. I'm so stupid. I didn't make that work. You know, like, no, it's just like, I can't wait to do it tomorrow. 
I can't wait to experience yeah. that tomorrow because because you know you know the joy in it, you know the happiness in it, you know you know that. And so once again, I understand the conversation of what in a very practical way. Why? I mean, there's there's like here's here's what happens with reading scripture, and here's what it is. But why do I want to read it? Why do I want to dive into scripture? And that's so much more compelling. That's so much more joyous. That's instead of putting my time in. And, and what happens is um, it goes from, all right, I got to get my chapter in or I got to get my Bible reading Gosh. in to, man, I only have so much time to read. I Man, this is a bummer. Like, I, I just want to keep reading. I want to keep I want to. I want to keep reading because it's, I'm just so in awe of 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 who God is. And anyway, sorry, I don't mean to ramble on that. I just I'm trying to. Uh, I, I'm about to take us down the path a little further here because it's just something I'm thinking of. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, man, it's just something I can't like. Somebody told me this example recently. Some I was listening to something, and it is it's kind of rocked me, man. It goes right along with this. What do you do if what is all you have? What do you do when the what is taken away? And you think of people in the past, and this has happened to people in the past, but I'll, I'll try to make it somewhat personal here. We fast forward 15, 20 years where we no longer live in a safe America, quote, safe America where Christians are actually persecuted and thrown in jail for what they believe or worse killed. Mm -hmm. What do you do in a scenario when you are put in jail, you have no access to anything Mm -hmm. at all. When the what is taken away, what's left? See, if all you had is the what, when you can no longer go to a service, when you can no longer do these things, when you can no longer uh, read your Bible because you have no access to it, if that's all you had, what's left when that's gone? That's why the why is so important because the why is going to sustain you way further than the what. Yeah. You think of people way back in the day who had no access to scripture and they're in a foreign country and they're in jail, horrible conditions where they barely get any kind of food, gross situations, but they have the why. That, that worship is there. <laughs> So if all you have is the what, what do you do if it's taken away? Yeah. That's it's that's an intimidating and scary thought for many people, I believe. It's scary for me, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, no, 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 absolutely, and and I and I think that this is an exact example I just gave to someone recently. Was what would you do? Who would you be if, as a Christian, as a follower of God, what would you have left if you got thrown in a box of a jail cell? There's no one to talk to. 
no Bible, no books, no music. And your only interaction is the one time a day they throw you a piece of bread. Right. What do you have left? Yeah. Well, the answer should be all that you have left is what you had in the first place, which is Christ. Yeah. Which is Jesus. And I can't fathom that scenario. And obviously, I, I don't want to ever... I don't desire such a scenario. Right. Um, I do believe God will give us the grace that we need. Yeah. Given the case, we can do this now. We can take a step back. We can sit down, go somewhere, quiet, whatever, step back, and ask yourself this question. If my what was taken away, if my ministry was taken away, if my structures were taken away, everything, is your why strong enough to sustain you? (laughs) And the reason that is an important question is, is that enough now? Forget being put in that position. Because if it's not strong enough now, then that's something we should be pursuing. That of strengthening, and once again, and I want to be clear. Like I think that we're all pursuing that. I think we're all, when we when we pray, when we read scripture, when we're when we're getting together with friends and ha- that are keeping us accountable and challenging us and edifying us, and in the body of Christ, that's the pursuit that we're all in of strengthening our why, yeah. strengthening that authentic worship, strengthening that relationship with God, um, which honestly I think will tie into this next question. So far, this episode is way longer than I thought it would be. And I guess I should have known this going, <laughs> going into this. Um, and if we, yeah. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.